In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by Channing Tatum, Johnny Depp, and all of Jump Street. Welcome in oh. to episode 21 of The Gospel Friends. I'm David. I'm Chase. And I'm Nick. Did y'all like that show? I liked the uh, old school show. Channing Tatum wasn't on the, the, la- the first he's, one. Wasn't. He's in the new movie they came out with. You a big fan of his? Ah, uh, no. Okay. My wife probably is. <laughs> Yikes. Wow. Yikes. <laughs> All right, we're, well, we're already in the gutter. I was about to say we're in thirty seconds in, and I've got. I actually don't know anything about. I don't actually know anything about him. So, yeah. uh, you go ahead and Google Magic Mike. Whoa, whoa, you'll whoa, find whoa. out all you need to know. <laughs> we can't say that. What? Don't Google that movie. I'm telling. Okay, wasn't um, Matthew McConaughey? Yes, was he was that too, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, I saw that DVD over at Chase's house, but I hadn't <laughs> <laughs> watched it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Chase, can you can you hear us? I can hear you just fine. Can y'all hear can, Nick? Can you? Hear, we had some we had some tweets come in after last week's show <laughs> that uh, there was mic problems with Chase at the end. Yes, you, I had to abruptly leave uh, the show last time. I'm afraid uh, due to government regulations, I cannot give you an explanation as to why. But if I abruptly leave this show, it's because you two perverts are talking about <laughs> dirty movies, and I don't want to get fired. So uh, there you go. Uh, to be fair, just to be just straight up honest. To be fair, Nick started it. I, I might have actually started the it one. with my question to you. Maybe that was a baited question. It was him because he said his wife liked Channing Tatum. Listen, when Rev Verbage backs against the wall, I always blame Nick. Okay. Good I've point. never noticed this. Ten I, years strong and going. Say there's a, a member out there of the American Family Association, Nick, or some such uh, organization that would like to protest our podcast for – Content Tony, Tony Perkins. Reasons. Look at you. How would they get in touch with us to protest? The, well, there's a couple different ways. Um, the the hippest way for the for the kids, as they say, is Twitter at my gospel friends on Twitter. We do have a Facebook group for the forty and up crowd in the audience. Facebook.com slash group slash Hall of Dogma. <laughs> of course, if you still use a telephone to call people, I'm sorry. First of all, and then you can call two zero five five seven five nine seven three five. And if you are an internet um, aficionado, speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends. Um, you can go ahead and just leave us a direct voicemail on the site. People can actually text us at that number as well, can they not? It's a they Google can. number. Yeah, it's, it's a Google number, so you can text if you like. Okay. Well, David, last week we made a call out for uh, uh, reviews on iTunes, and I understand we got a few, including one you want to give a shout out to right now. Actually, we only got one. I wasn't going to say that well, because I, I know, uh, that, you, you, know, you were you were oversell, David. You, oversell. Uh, well, God, I should be used to Chase doing that by now. But, I would uh, think so. It, it was a bit of an oversell that we got a few. <laughs> we a got a few. One, we got one, one. is a few. <laughs> yeah. So well, shout out just to uh, Chase you taking that common core math there, but to a different Chase, uh, Chase Riles, who's a, a good friend of ours and a great young man. Fantastic says, name. I listen to the <laughs> podcast going to and coming from school. These guys are all some serious topics with some laughs and fun along the way. Highly recommended. So, Thank Chase, you, Chase, we appreciate that shout Thank out you, and uh, and review on iTunes. And as we said 
did last week. If you could please give us a review or a second or a third, we would uh, greatly appreciate it. And don't base it off the first, you know, couple of minutes of this week. <laughs> Correct. Uh, I'm about. surprised to hear that Chase Riles is in school with uh, – with a name like that, I would figure him uh, to be a king or some sort of wow. dictator or president or something. It's really, such a regal you're name. You're really impressed by Riles? Uh, the, the first name. Oh, Chase. Good name. Yes. Hey, by the way, I, I just I feel the need to say um, I'm probably going to be a dead man when this show airs. Um, I very seriously doubt my wife likes Channing Tatum. Well, we're going to find out, aren't um, we? I think I've said before she's a Robert Downey Jr. fan. Oh, okay. So. Speaking of which, well, we've all gotten in trouble on the podcast except for Nick. So, Nick, you're up next week. Okay, well, that, I got you. Here you go. Nick um, doesn't get in trouble because his wife doesn't listen to the podcast. That is handy. So. I also am smart enough to know what will and won't get me in trouble at home, and I stay far away from the line. I ordered a new car this week, and I haven't told my wife yet. <laughs> oh my <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's really glad there's comfy couches in the Hollow Dogma Church. Oh boy! What's on tap, guys? That's a good point. What should we? What are we going to talk about? Episode twenty-one, the Johnny Depp episode. Well, I will say this: we there has been a big brouhaha in the great city of Houston, Texas. Really? Apparently, is there football the team? The mayor has gone to area churches with a brute squad and demanded they stop preaching uh, and or something no, like no, that. No, stop! That's what Glenn Beck said. Do you write what? for uh, CharismaNews.com? Oh or religionnews.net or whatever it is. Actually, I don't even know. Charisma News may be fine. I was just throwing out one of those. Hold on. Let me see one. I was the... exaggerating, but it is, this is a real story with real substance. We are going to talk about the uh, yes, it is. kerfluffle in Houston, Houston. we have a problem. Nice. You'll see how You're the that. first person to make that joke. Whatever. We're also going to talk about uh, the... Other than the, Russell Moore. Other, <laughs> the other... Uh, the next chapter in the uh, Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill saga that's been happening this year as Mark Driscoll has uh, now officially resigned yeah. as senior pastor of Mars Hill Church in Seattle. So we're going to talk about it's that. It's a little surreal. But. It is. It's odd to say that. And if we get, have time for it, I'm going to give you guys a list of the top ten richest pastors in the world, five of whom, according to my list, come from one country. I bet you'll never guess. Which country? Do we guess now? No, you have to oh, hold no. the listener in suspense. By the way, I and I have a confession to make, but y'all have to wait till the end for my confession. You have another confession to make because you've already made a few. Okay, well, I have a, I have a confession to make so that I one day don't get pointed out as a hypocrite on the show. So Good. we'll, uh, you we'll realize get, we'll I've got a file so big that <laughs> right now we're going to go to the uh, beloved segment. What were you thinking? Uh, this week's not really a global edition. We're we're just strictly staying here in the U.S. All um, of our international livers are very uh, disappointed <laughs> at this point. Well, they'll they'll be able to make fun of. Uh, oh yeah, I was about to say they'll, they'll probably be able to make not fun disappointed of they the United States. So uh, we're just going to go. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, what I think is maybe the least profound, um, and then work our way to the most, um, including guys a brand new product. Oh that you guys are going to have to have oh, if no. you loved the hug chair from Japan. Oh, no. Is it caffeinated something? You're going to enjoy this. No, that was last week. The, oh. uh, so, uh, But Dateline, Detroit, Michigan. Oh, Headline, no. this caught my attention. Man wants to swap his Detroit home for an iPhone 6. Now, I originally pulled it up because I thought it might have been Chase. Um, <laughs> Mine finally came in, by the no, way. No, Chase did swap his no, 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 And when he failed to make a sale, he decided to settle for a trade. He is now after Apple's latest product offering, the iPhone 6. 
And if you can't have that, he's willing to sell for a 32 gig iPad. Uh, understandably, the three bedroom, one and a half bathroom brick house isn't exactly in the best of conditions. It does have a finished basement and a plush garden, but neighbors strongly believe that it needs to be torn down. <laughs> so, so he had listed this house for $5,000. There were no takers. So he basically said, um, someone give me an iPhone 6 and this house is yours. Now, is it an iPhone 6 or an iPhone 6 Plus? Interesting that you would bring that up. Uh, realtor Larry Else says, my client is overseas. He told me he would be willing to trade the property for an iPhone 6. It sounds like he wants the Plus version, but he is willing to negotiate. Well, I guess really if you're negotiating, it's either the plus or the not plus, right? So this is this is a guy who – I mean this is a guy who said, hey, I will – you can't sell my house, so, so give me a iPhone 6 Plus or, you know, I guess he would negotiate down to an iPhone 6. Now, I, I could see Chase because I saw the desperation in you the last couple of weeks not having that iPhone. Really? Um, so would you now? You recently got back from vacation, right? I did. So did your did your phone come before you went on vacation? It did, but you know how I remedied that. Wait, it came before you went on vacation? No, it ca- it came one day after I went on vacation. Okay. which thank you, AT and T. I'm sure that's planned by you guys. So you've waited you've waited for over a month to get your iPhone? No, sir. Uh, longer? Couldn't do that. Uh, oh, oh, yes, yes, I did wait. Yeah, over you wait for over a month to get but your I, iPhone, and it came the day after you left to correct. drive six hours away for vacation. Yes, and so uh, I um, happily left behind um, a few twenties uh, to uh, get it shipped down to our vacation destination. Because so, I mean, so why you, am I going to suffer with an iPhone five on vacation when I have an iPhone six? Uh, novel concept might have been just to put your phone away and enjoy vacation, huh? <laughs> That's crazy talk. So you paid someone to go pick the phone up from your house and mail it to you. It, correct. Janet, I would like to let you know at this point, I'm hanging my head in confusion as why he's still talking. And David really has his Chase Help Me Help You expression on his face, and we cannot help him. I'm sorry. My wife knows this. She knows this about me. She's um, mm-hmm. hopefully reconciled to that part of my personality. In related mm-hmm. news, uh, a... Uh, a man in California has offered to swap his uh, garbage bag full of empty aluminum became, cans for an Android phone. I just became – oh, that's a funny joke. I didn't mean to talk over your joke. You did. You talked right Terrible. over my joke. I thought you were going on this. I just realized, though, I became – what were you thinking? Not the guy in Detroit. It became about me. So I'm one of your featured idiots. This Date, is terrible. Dateline, Illinois. Cried. <laughs> Spotlight right, on Chase. I, I'm out again. Okay. Forget y'all. Enjoy the rest of the show. Don't leave me here with Lefty. Here's the head. Well, here's the headlong. 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 Here's the headlong. Headline. Did you run headlong into this or what? Cemetery hopes a 5K race and actors will draw new customers. Uh, A what What now? What? A cemetery hopes a 5K race and actors will draw new customers. Almost none of that sentence makes any sense whatsoever. Let me read you the uh, headline. No, uh, please don't. The story from Peoria, Illinois, a cemetery. Is it Illinois or Illinois? Gosh, no comment. A cemetery in central Illinois is embarking on an unusual marketing marketing campaign that includes a 5K race and actors dressing as people buried there. The goal (laughs) is to encourage more people to buy lots at the cemetery. So many options. So many. Bob Manning, chairman of the Management Authority at the Peoria Cemetery, told the uh, Journal Star 
that uh, they are hosting 10 events this month in an effort to diversify the appeal of the sprawling East Bluff property. Ten we know. Cemetery events? Yeah, 10 events to promote the property. We know, Holy he says, cow. if we can get people back into the cemetery, <laughs> they're going to be amazed at his beauty. Then hopefully they'll think of us when it's time. Oh, my gosh. That is so morbid. <laughs> sort of like well, the sermon today. Here's what we know if we can get wow. people back into the cemetery. Like, were they were they visiting there before and then they stopped? Were they, like, having picnics and and then quit? Or that what? Well, let me ask you a question. Because that's, that's, you raise an Look, interesting point. Look, I know point. goth music has really taken a downward turn lately. But <laughs> I don't know. Do y'all care where you're buried? Because I sure don't. I don't. Oh, boy. I don't. I really. I, I don't. Now Nick has. Uh, Nick has asked to be buried in the cemetery where Bear Bryant is, but I don't. You know. Well, I mean, there's some advantages to that, of course. But uh, beyond that, I don't. You know, I don't know anyone that cares. I mean, yeah, that, I think our generation is not going <clears> to <throat> okay. be spending a lot of money on burial well, plots. This is the good point because it is, I think, our generation. Because I've noticed that, like. The generations before me, like other people in my family, like they really care about that. Yeah. My dad really cared about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. It was like a big deal. Um, Just dump me in the trash. I don't, I mean, I'm not there. Drop kick me, Jesus. Prop Dig me up besides a jukebox. I, I just, I don't know. Because that says, Lord, I don't want to go to heaven. Those, I want to go to heaven, but I, I don't want to go to mine. Those, those right. plots are like that's, that's tens bad of mojo, thousands of dollars. Well, you know, they, they. Who's got that kind of money? And, and you can buy more now. Us if we buy less iPhones. You, you That's could. a good point, Nick. Or sell more houses or trade more houses for iPhones. You know, we actually have uh, funeral directors th- or one that listens to the show. I hope he doesn't sell cemetery plots because then we would have insulted him. <clears throat> and he's a good dude. Well, we've already insulted him once. We insulted him in the last show. That was really more. We'll get to Jeremiah. that later. <laughs> uh, actors from the Prairie Folklore Theater kicked off the initiative by portraying people who have been buried in the cemetery since it opened in 1857. <laughs> Wait a minute. They portrayed dead people there? This, they portrayed this. people who've been buried in the cemetery. I don't know if this was like a – did they portray them as they were before they died or as zombies? I, I would hope zombies. Oh, really? Would that get you there? <laughs> Look, That if, would get you there. If we lived in Peoria, I'm so there. That No, that would get you to want to be buried there if it was with zombies because you, you're enthralled by that kind of stuff. Well – not enthralled. That's a strong word. Okay. You like that kind of stuff. That's interesting. How many cemeteries have you taken me to late at night? Okay. Hey, Nick. We so may have crossed what's on the tap line. today? You took me to one. Okay. Really? Help you me help me you. took me to explore a cemetery late at David, night. Did you help yes, me help you? Yes or no? In a totally non-romantic sort of way. It was uh, a Civil War oh my, cemetery. Oh my, it was very who in the world would have thought romantic to that? Well, well, I don't everybody think, listening. Okay, no, you I'm, took me okay. to a cemetery late at night. In <laughs> fairness, what is romantic about that? <laughs> no, or even, will you stop talking and I can help you both to shut up, <laughs> please, Nick? <laughs> First of all, there's nothing romantic about a cemetery, but there are places where people don't venture that couples would like to go where they can be alone because people won't venture there for a period of time. Okay, y'all, are and so the fact that y'all want to go there together late at night. Makes me very concerned. I think you might want to edit some of this out. Do the other two elders know about this? Like, well, they will now. Okay, look, the two <laughs> of you, the two of you, just blindfolded me and drove me down a road that I would have never even imagined going. <laughs> no, 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 not to a cemetery. <laughs> 
Quit saying things, David. In fairness, Nick didn't take you anywhere. I was looking at the the Gospel Friends Hall of Dogma Fantasy Football League, which I'm sorry, Baker's doesn't. It doesn't look like you're weak. But um, dude, you're you're killing it in that league right now. By the way, I, look, I cannot believe. Look, I was saying that you drug Heavenly me Raptor, to explore. You, sir, are <laughs> you drug me to explore a cemetery? I, I have never did. drugged you even once. I didn't say drugged. I said. Drug me, you you said hey, there's a cemetery over here. Let's let's go check it out. Is it Arminian in Something the group? Like that. I think it's pretty funny that the predestined is winless. I bet no one <laughs> the predestined was winless. Are we still talking about Peoria, Illinois? Dateline, I'm trying to talk about anything but what y'all are talking Dateline, about. Dateline, right Massachusetts. High tech jacket Help gives you a hug every time someone <laughs> likes you on Facebook. Next, no way. Next, is it with you and created hugs. created by MIT student Chase? Would you like to give him one? It sounds no. like it won't be created by MIT student Melissa Chow. The like a hug jacket makes yeah. virtual experiences a bit more realistic by inflating and giving you a hug whenever someone likes you on Facebook. <laughs> Holy moly, that's amazing. Soon, real friends will probably be obsolete thanks to the innovative Like a Hug Jacket. Now, <laughs> inventor Melissa Chow says it allows us to feel the warmth, encouragement, okay, support, to, or love to, no. that we feel when we receive hugs. You have to get these approved next time. What? You have to run these by committee. I, I wanna, Samuel has to okay every one of these. It's a real product. I'm not saying it's not a real product. The That's con- not what I'm saying. There's also other real products. The concept is simple. That inspired this functionality. And Air pockets inside the jacket inflate every time your smartphone sends a signal that a new like has been received. Amazing. Better still, you can send hugs back to your friend by simply squeezing the jacket and deflating it. Amazing. Guys, we had a post uh, September 26th on the Gospel Friends podcast Facebook page that had a hundred... <laughs> 119 it looks like likes. She's getting ready for one of those sumo fights where you put on so the. So we would have had 119 hugs, whichever one of us was. 119. Ju- yeah. well, well, look at look at how stylish this jacket is, Jason. <laughs> I don't think I'd wear that. That's um, who? Who is that person? I, that may be Melissa Chow. I don't know. So. Every time someone like that, Chase, you have like 19,000 Facebook friends, so you would be getting a lot of um, inflates during the day. Next story. What's wrong with you guys today? <laughs> okay, look, I'm just just saying that it's you're not gonna run out by one. No, remember how we prayed to start the show? Do we need to? Do we need to pray again? Maybe read a little scripture. <laughs> you know, it's bad when I'm squirmy about what we're talking about. It's a jacket that hugs you. Yes, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, let me ask you this: How much is it? Uh, it doesn't say. Because, you know, 100 bucks, eh, that'd be kind of fun. Would you buy it? It'd be funny. I'd I'd buy it and broadcast live from it. That would be fun. You mean in it? Oh, yeah, in it. Not from it. Live from the jacket that hugs you. I mean, what if it was like you could just sit there, you could be at work and smile and somebody be like, what's up? And you'd be like, oh, nothing, just my last post, getting a lot of likes. <laughs> How can you tell? My jacket. Yeah, well, I think that's very, um, very something right now you feel no warmth when someone likes one of your posts that's right but with this jacket you could yes it would make you even more connected to the internet (sighs) all right nick what's up buddy do you have anything to say i have many things to say i will just have to edit a lot later if i say them you're not going to edit anything because you always say you'll edit something and you don't i maintain if people realize what i did edit 
Have you, have you ever, have you ever taken podcast, so I don't Chase? Know have you ever saying. seriously taken someone to a cemetery for romantic purposes? No comment. That is bothering me. I've never heard of that. Well, you know, if you take, say, your wife or a girlfriend to a they cemetery, get, they get a little scared and they kind of, you know, walk closer to you and stuff. And do you know what my wife would say if I said, "Hey, we're going on a date"? Friday I would really night. have to edit the show if you say this. So, can we please move on? We're going. So, to I've got a great game dinner for us this in week. a cemetery. Oh, I, I've got a question first. Uh, along the lines of what we were thinking, a 10-year-old boy has been abducted recently, uh, a few weeks ago, got away from his abductor by singing a gospel song for three hours straight. I'm wondering if you guys might guess what song. I'm only briefly hijacking the game for you. Um, what song did he sing for three hours straight that caused his abductor to get upset and turn him loose? I will give you a hint. We did play it one day on the video screen in the Hall of Dogma Church. Oh, how he loves? Nope. I don't remember. I saw the video. It was recorded in Birmingham. Jesus is a friend of mine? Nope. Every Praise by Hezekiah Walker. Really? Which is a snazzy little video recorded is a, in our own little snazzy video. So, I don't think the song was recorded. The video was recorded here. Correct. So he was singing, was it the... Three uh, hours straight, and the guy just finally got sick of him and pushed him out of the car. Well done, young man. I wonder if it was the song or the singing. Either way. Wow. Willie Myrick, you're our hero. I've heard Nick sing. It wouldn't have taken three hours. Sing... Nick, I understand you have a game for us. I do. Um, wow. I don't know how we got here. All right. So, David, I'm sorry in advance. How to Geeks um, Geek Trivia Quiz. <clears throat> Who would like – we need to flip a coin. Who would like the first question? Lefty? You, maybe? No? A geek, a geek quiz? Yeah. I made sure to pick some in here that you should be able to get. The last time you brought a game to try and make me lose, it was uh, – You, in fact, won that You game. two – and, and the Ramones. You two versus the Ramones. And, I and somehow you pulled off a on miracle a win. All right, so David first. Do um, you believe in miracles? The CPU yes. socket that supported the most diverse stable of PCU, CPUs was the... Are you speaking English? What? Can socket you LGA 2011, Socket Next Gen, Socket P, or Socket 7? We're not actually going to let Nick do any more games, are we? I think we need to have any kind of an off-show meeting. <laughs> But not now. He'll know about it. Um, socket P. Wrong. Seven. There you go, Chase. Have you heard of that or did you just guess? I. Holy cow. The iPhone 6 has quite the uh, the engine in it there. Chase. <laughs> got a lot of power. Did you take it to a cemetery? <laughs> no, but somebody's calling me. Probably protesting the show early. All righty. <laughs> it's my turn for a question. Chase huh? um, just about hit the ceiling because his phone started going off. Well, I was sitting on it. so Don't do that, dude. It'll bend. Oh, my God. Why? I was sitting next to it. Chase, which is the, you have You have skinny jeans on. That's, that's That'll be the death nail. <laughs> Man, this, we, we need to call this the train wreck episode. Episode 21, train wreck. <laughs> which animal's yes. name means person of the forest. Which animal's name means mm-hmm. person of the forest? What does that have to do with geekdom? Oh, jeez. Okay, give, give me some Given, options. chimpanzee, orangutan, or gorilla? Gibbon. Incorrect. Oh. Sorry. Wow. David, for the point? Gorilla. 
Oh, no, it's the orangutan. Okay, what does that have to do with geekdom? All right. Oh, Chocolate and it is milk originated in. Is he ignoring me? Yes. Is it my turn? Uh, yes. Okay, go ahead. Chocolate milk originated in. Uh, Germany, the United States, Jamaica, or India? India has a lot of cows. Um, so... Germany, United States. Germany also has milk. <laughs> yeah, but they have chocolate cows. <coughs> no comment. Germany. That would be incorrect. Chase. <sighs> India. No, it would be Jamaica, actually. Wow, really? Yep. What yep. does this have to do with geek stuff? I don't know. Remember, we're going to have that meeting later. Right after the meeting with the network censors, it's who are going to be rake called, us over the coals. It's going to be show. called the end of the series. <laughs> yeah, I think meeting. It's been a great. Does anyone have a point? Twenty-one. Chase has one. Okay. We made twenty-one. He episodes. stole from you. That's pretty good. All right, maybe twenty-three. Kind of depends on the count. Which iconic sci-fi character is immortalized as a grotesque on the Washington National Cathedral? We're back to geek stuff. Iconics. Okay, uh, give me your options. Doctor Who, RoboCop, Godzilla, or Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Correct. Chase has two Boom. points. Ch- um, what did that sign Lefty. Mean? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was okay. kind of a hang loose. It's just wow. Sure you watch a lot of Keanu Reeves. Obscene gesture. Like, what the? All Only right. one. Speed. The, fir- mm. the first cartoon character to get a star on the Walk of Fame was? Mickey Mouse. That is correct. Two wow. to one. Zing. Good job. In fairness, I went to ask him that question. I thought I'd give you a gimme. All right. Um, before the advent of granulated sugar, sugar was c- sold to consumers in loaves, cubes, crystallized rods, or glass bottles. What was the first one? Globes? Loaves, as in loaves. loaves. Oh, loaves is the That is answer. correct. That's three to one, Chase. You didn't know that. With you the You were wind. guessing. I eat four sugar loaves a day. <laughs> Still. A, a zarf is used to hold. Sci-fi classic Dune was published by a publisher specializing in... Um, yeah, these were smart questions, but How to Geek really helped me out. So, I like that. Before they became world-renowned for phones, Nokia Wait, was famous for. Did I win? Yeah. Oh, oh it's over? Yeah. Beautiful. I thought I was, you were just speaking no, I was gibberish. Just, I did, too. I was like, wow, what's what's happening next? Right, why does some of those not have anything to do with geek stuff? I don't know. I googled geek trivia, and How to Geek had all these questions. So, Well, that was fun. I think well, so. Well, gentlemen. Well, you only said that because you won. That's true. And don't I enjoy beating you? In you the do. You spider silk was game. used for what military purpose? You enjoy winning. If you guys will just give me about five seconds of silence, I'm going to enjoy this. <sighs> now on to our serious topic. Quit touching my Mountain Dew. I was just kidding. The um, best-selling DVD of all time is? Um, Matrix. The Matrix? Really? That's my guess. All right, here are your options. The Lion King, Lord of the Rings, Finding Nemo, or Avatar. Lion, Lion King. King. No, it's actually Finding Nemo. Really? No kidding. Well, yeah. well, we were definitely was not close. Avatar. By the way, uh, Avatar. Hey, uh, disappointing movie. What's I, that? I, Avatar. I did, I did not like. Kevin Avatar. calls that Fern Gully with guns. That's about right. Mark Driscoll didn't like that. I, I didn't like the movie either. I mean, Mark I, Driscoll doesn't like anything. He preached that from a message at Mars Hill, which he doesn't pastor anymore. But we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to it in a minute if we can sober up a little bit, guys. 
Yeah, Anise Parker, the um, uh, lesbian mayor of Houston, has come under a great deal of criticism this week because her administration, the city attorney, has subpoenaed sermons and other documents from pastors who have opposed the recent – why are you guys giggling? This is the serious part of the show. I don't know. Go ahead. It is material that she is we're try- a lesbian. I wasn't insulting no, her. No, we're trying to get back on. Okay, let's get back on We're trying to get back in the flow. All right, so the city attorney. I can't look at Nick. Has subpoenaed um, sermons and other documents from pastors in Houston who uh, spoke I out. I articulation of giggling. I don't think we were giggling. Okay, whatever you want to call it. Who spoke out against a recent law passed by Mayor Parker's administration that allows uh, transgender people to use restrooms of their choice. Um, And and so – There's more to it than that, though. Well, there is more to it than that. But essentially, a legal demand was sent to Christian pastors to surrender all, quote, speeches, presentations – or sermons related to this ordinance, which is called Hero. Um, the, the, in all speeches, presentations, or sermons that had to do with the Hero uh, law, the petition itself, the mayor herself, homosexuality, or even gender identity. So this is a very large swath of uh, documents demanded in discovery and this has led to a rather nationwide kerfluffle gentlemen uh <laughs> what did you which is say? the second time i've used that word this podcast is so it's a it's a very nice word is that a real word it is a real kerfuffle. word yes yes um, so, gentlemen, I guess we can, we're going to get into some more details later on. Some people in Christendom have, have called this one of the greatest violations of civil liberties that have ever happened on uh, American soil. Other people have said, hey, it's not really a big deal. This is legal discovery. That kind of thing happens. Uh, this is not a mayor gone power mad. Gentlemen, uh, what is your take on this initially? And I will be glad to offer mine after I hear yours. So from some of the stuff I've read on the very um, logical, well-thought-out, meticulous concentration place of Facebook, um, I've heard a couple of counters to this this week. And so just to clarify, you you did state that the bill covers a lot more things than guys being able to use girls' restrooms. Yes, there is more to it. Than okay, that. That I, I think is, I think essentially the law, the, the the all right. So it's a it's a they're saying the proponents of the law are saying that it it's designed to uh, promote equality and keep uh, homosexuals transgender people from being discriminated against. Yes, it is the Houston <clears throat> Equal Rights Ordinance. Okay. I, I suppose okay. I should be fair and say perhaps the most. Uh, the most controversial aspect of yes. that was that transgendered people could use you uh, bathrooms could, of either sex. There's no things to it. They started calling it the bathroom right. bill. The opponents yes. did because essentially, if you are a man but you you feel like you're actually a woman, then you could just go in the female yes. restroom. I, let me give, let me do this. Just in the interest of fair play, I will give you this Houston Chronicle newspaper description of the Hero Ordinance. The measure bans discrimination based not just on sexual orientation and gender identity, but also, as federal laws do, sex, race, color, ethnicity, national origin, age, religion, disability, pregnancy, and genetic information, as well as family, mar- marital, or military status. The ordinance applies 
applies to businesses that serve the public, private employers, housing, city employment, and city contracting. Religious institutions would be exempt. Violators could be fined up to $5,000. So a very comprehensive bill. I did not mean to uh, mischaracterize it. I was just speaking to the uh, – Thing well, it was well known. And my for. clarification wasn't necessarily saying that you were mischaracterized. I just, for the sake of discussion, I wanted to clarify that. And one other point: the um, subpoena was not just submitted to pastors for copies of sermons. It was submitted for any type of public public document given in a speech presentation. Et cetera, and so on that reference homosexuality, correct? I believe there is some truth to that, but it was specifically targeted to pastors and their sermons. Targeted my, how? My understanding is they the were subpoena in the subpoenas. My, my right. understanding is the um, subpoena went to five five specific pastors who have had a who are part of there. There's a whole um, there's a group of people who are trying to get this law overturned before it's put on the books by a ballot initiative by a yes. ballot initiative and there are five pastors who have kind of led the charge of that and the subpoenas were sent to those five pastors so one of the, one of the kind of counters i've heard to it this week is it was not just um, it was issued to pastors yes but uh, pastors in addition to x y and z other that is correct people yes. and so other uh, people uh, were also subpoenaed uh, you know my my take on it is not going to be nearly as friendly as that sounds. I'm going to fall much more on the you know free speech kind of side of it. But I just I want to make sure we fully characterize it so we don't in any way unfairly demonize the city of Houston. So uh, it, it was. I mean, I think the from everything I've read is just a is a political. This is a political. She, the, the mayor and and those who helped get the law passed are. It, it's a political. Uh, maneuver going after the opponents of the bill who are trying to get it overturned. Um, that, that's kind of what I have taken and, and read. And yes, that, in, that includes the pastors and the. And here was my first thought when I saw the story. Like if someone, if someone were to come here today, give me a subpoena and say, "Turn over your, you know, sermons on whatever," I would say they're Go. on they're on the website. You know. You haven't tried real hard to find them. Yeah, I mean, here it is. You can go yeah. download it. Yeah, and have. I mean, could, I mean, do these guys? That's, that, what that's got, my first thought. Is like, well, how? I mean, are these guys not putting their sermons yeah, out where people can go and get them? If you're a pastor, and if if it's if it's five targets, I didn't realize it was kind of focused on five guys. If these guys are big enough to have a profile within the city that people know who they are, they're big enough that their ministry documents pretty much anything they sneeze, and so they they're probably putting it out for public consumption anyway. Why are you subpoenaing? Just go to their website, download and directory, it. and yeah. there you go. Like I mean, It's already public record. <laughs> or not public record, but it's freely available. Uh, they've come back now as an update and said, okay, you know, essentially they've, they've revised the subpoenas, and, and they've said, okay, right now we don't need – forget your sermons. We just want your speeches and presentations, although <laughs> – as other people have pointed out, isn't isn't a sermon <laughs> basically a speech or a presentation? So, um, you know, it's it's just one of those. Uh, look, there's so much political. See, a good lawyer could argue that it's not. <laughs> I, yeah, look, there's so much political stuff that is going on here. I, I, I think probably it's best to not get too mired down in um, to not get too mired down in in the in the details. Um, I, I think essentially what my take on this is this is the beginning of something that you're going to see grow over time yeah. in, in this country. I think what is happening, whether this is political maneuvering or not, um, 
it is eventually, I believe, going to become hate speech to say homosexuality is wrong. Yes. Or transgender um, you know, is, is wrong or bisexuality is wrong, those kinds of things. I think eventually that's what's going to come out. It is wrong um, to, to speak out against these things. It's hate speech, and this is the beginning of um, pastors and churches having pressure put on them to stop speaking out on those issues from a biblical perspective. Although I want to, I want to come back to what I just said in just a moment and give a caveat. Well, I, yeah, I would say I completely agree with that. I think this is designed by the mayor and the city attorneys to. Now, I don't. I have no idea to what degree Mayor Parker was involved in this. She has essentially denied all involvement, and she has uh, crawfished, as we would say in the house in, in the South. She's backed away from it. But understand, this is what the the subpoena said. And imagine if this was delivered for you, to you. The attorneys working for the city demanded all sermons from you, David McConnell, prepared by you, delivered by you, revised by you or approved by you or in your possession. That's a lot of sermons if you know talking about in my possession yeah. um, on matters that included not only the mayor and the city ordinance but homosexuality and gender identity in general. And and so uh, Mayor Parker went on Twitter uh, the night after all this kind of broke, and she said uh, – she tweeted, "Always, I'm always amazed at how little fact-checking is done by folks who like to hit the retweet button. So she's thinking, you know, hey, this is just a big to-do about nothing. But an hour after that, this is what she said, and this is the part that kind of chills me. This is straight from the mayor. She said, if the po- five pastors used their pulpits for politics, their sermons are fair game. Now, that right there is frightening. What does that mean, their sermons are fair game? You know, they're demanding all, all things on gender, on the mayor, or whatever. What if one of the pastors was critical of the mayor or of the president? What if I said something as a pastor critical of a city leader and they subpoenaed all of my sermons? That's frightening, that is a frightening abuse of authority in a nation that values free speech. Yeah, I mean, and this is the caveat I was coming back to it, uh, so I want to come back to. Um, I, I'm not a fan of using the pulpit for those purposes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm just not. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, yes, that's frightening. I'm more frightened by – I am more as a frightened. I am more – I'm more nervous about – um, a, a someone speaking out against the homosexuality being a sin or, or being but that against was a biblical standard. I'm saying that. I'm saying, and then someone coming after you because of that as as hate speech. I, you know, I, I don't. You know, to me, the the pulpit. Uh, you know, if you want to call it that, if you have a pulpit in your church, that place of preaching and teaching on a Sunday morning and opening up the word is not a place to get into politics and, oh, and, and, and you and I both to, agree go, on that. to go after um, elected officials. Uh, you and I both agree on that. We don't do that. I mean, at the Hall of Dogma Church, we don't talk politics a lot. But I will tell you this. We have had a series on homosexuality. We have. We have had a series on uh, sexual ethics and, and, uh, and other things. 
And and for the mayor to equate that with politics uh, well, is dangerous. And, and I don't know what she's looking for. I, I don't know what they're looking for in that situation. It, 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 you know, I'm wondering is she is she just looking for something where she was personally attacked or or personally came against? Look, I don't know anything about these five pastor, pastors. They could be what I would consider over political in their sermons or their messages, and I do think you can do that. I think churches can can do that. I I just I you know I. I think that a church should open up the word in a fashion and teach about culture and principles in such a, a fashion that their people are informed on how God feels about issues and therefore would would be informed on those things when it comes time to vote without having to become um, over political in terms of personalities and you know, it's best to vote Democrat or best best to vote Republican or best to vote for this candidate, not that candidate. Because I, I think you can just take the church and marry it to something politics that it shouldn't be. I, I agree with that. In fact, uh, I think the role of a pastor teacher is to proclaim the gospel and to preach the word and teach the word. Let me give you a hypothetical. Okay. What if uh, John Johnson down the road at Third Baptist? Um, Trustful. Dude, he's, he's ornery. He's ornery and he's extremely political. Now, this is a hypothetical. There's no church or pastor. Or but third Baptist. Let's say there is. Um, let, let's say he's extremely political. He listens to Rush Limbaugh every day and he peppers his sermons with criticisms of Barack Obama, which, by the way, I think Christians do too much. No. I think we are. I, I did not vote for President Obama, but I do not believe that uh, I, I, we can disagree with him. Criticism. Uh, that I've seen from some Christian corners is uh, unbiblical to a degree. Not not that we can't disagree, but uh, be that as may, John Johnson is a is a person that believes Barack Obama is the root of all evil in America, and he preaches that on a Sunday morning. Now, here's my question to you: Should the government be able to chill his free speech? Uh, no. Although I I think it's possible a church could lose their in this country. You can have. Um, what is it? Protection tax from the government tax, tax yes. exempt status, and I think you could probably put that in jeopardy if you become too political. And, and that's and that, I'm not sure that I disagree with that. Why does he get to keep much? a pulpit whenever he's preaching heresy anyway? Because Barack Obama has nothing to do with the root of all evil. Well, does the government does the government well, make I, that decision? Is what I'm asking. Oh uh, no, I, th- I don't should, think in this country should they be should arrested? because I think you, you you're you're entitled to that. Or, or yeah, and free I, speech. Uh, I would agree. I, I think that, I mean, if John Johnson is doing that, I think the body of Christ should do something about it. I would be very uncomfortable if uh, if the government did, it, it, even if it was. Uh, but we're presuming a, man- a lot of things about what the government is doing in this case and will do in the future. The other part of this that's tough for me is that it, it goes it goes back a little bit. To the the my favorite one of my favorite sayings on Emmanuel's here the suburban Jesus thing, but you know Christians in America have gotten far too comfortable with our level of ability to speak to to culture without um, consequence, and and yes, right now the laws in America protect free speech, and I thank God for them. But I think the fact that we expect that to never change as Christians in America, we're not fairly, we're not truthfully reading the what's to come about the world we live in. And so that's, I guess, that's my concern. Whenever we start saying they should or shouldn't be allowed to do this, 
you're right, but we based on the Constitution. Um, Basically, unless we threaten the president or a city official, we can say whatever we want to about them. Should we? Maybe, maybe not. We're allowed to say anything we we want. Anybody's allowed to say anything. It's freedom of speech. But but we know as believers that script is going to change for us. And so I'm not saying when we vote and have a have a way to to affect those changes that we shouldn't do it. I think we should be involved in the system that we're blessed to to participate in. I have a relative who they take that not of this world thing very seriously. They don't even vote. And I, and I don't think that's responsible living, living either, but we know it's going to change. And so I, I think, I think using the church for political purpose, even if it's to con- the continuation of free speech is just misappropriating our energy. I, I completely agree with that. I just don't want the government policing it. Yeah. Let, let me, again, yeah. if, if we have Mitt Romney, if he won the last election, and we have liberal pastor downtown criticizing him uh, for his uh, pro-life viewpoints, which I agree with pro-life, but uh, liberal pastor downtown criticizes him for that, and the government comes in and shuts down liberal pastor. I'm going to say, whoa, 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 you don't, you don't do that. I don't agree with what liberal pastor is saying uh, about uh, you know his attacking Mitt Romney. Romney, President, hypothetical President Mitt Romney for his uh, uh, pro-life views, but I don't think the government's job is to come in and shut down liberal pastor just because I don't agree with him. Uh, look, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I, I don't. Uh, I mean, you know, we're on the same page about what I think should happen there. I, I just, um, you know, I, I, all right. I think Nick's saying something similar to me. What Ethan Saylor um, said in the Hall of Dogma, uh, quoting on this story. Uh, Ethan said, this is a terrible act against the First Amendment, which prohibits impeding the free exercise of religion and abridging the freedom of speech. That being said, how should Christians respond? By demanding our rights? What of our brothers in England, those dissenters who were not licensed to preach and therefore spent most of their ministry in jail? Parentheses, John Bunyan. What of Paul, who saw his chains as the opportunity to proclaim the gospel? I say this only as a loyal citizen. But are we so wedded to our American rights that we've neglected our kingdom duty? Pastors, submit your sermons. If you preach the gospel, then those on the council will be reading the gospel perhaps for the first time. Let the word speak for itself and let God be glorified in your freedom and in your trials. That. So <laughs> Nick's like, hashtag ditto. Now, uh, see, so, I would com- <laughs> yes, actually. I would completely disagree with that. With, with, now, who was that? Ethan Saylor from the uh, Hall of Dogma. I agree with the heart of it. Which is uh, is submission and suffering, but I think if Paul were here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring a little Russell Moore into the into the discussion. I think if Paul we knew were it was here, coming, David. Paul would, would would not be down with that. For instance, Moore quotes Acts sixteen thirty seven when Paul and Silas were beaten. Um, they he says they they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. Paul knew it was what they did was illegal, and he stood up for for the law in that in in, in that sort of country. He he submission. There's a time for submission. Mission and suffering, um, and, and more points out in another article. He says this is, this whole thing is the reason why our Baptist forebears uh, refused to pay the licensing fee to preach the gospel in America and England, etc. Even though they knew they could have paid it, they could have taken up an offering and paid it. The issue wasn't how much money would needed to be paid, but rather who was claiming the authority to demand it. And, and see, I kind of fall down on that. I, I, I mean, I've kind of fall down on the the um, 
the the freedom from oppression kind of thing there. We do submit. We will suffer. Suffering is coming, but we can't tolerate that from the government. What what Russell Moore suggested happen is pastors from all around, not in Houston, submit their sermons, but pastors in Houston resist submitting their sermons. Uh, well, that's interesting. I, you know, I look. I, I don't know leg, legality. I, I don't know how much, you know, how much room do they have to not submit them? I mean, again, to me, there's a there's 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 teaching from Romans that says submit to the governing authority. So if they if they have the legal right to subpoena them, then I don't see. Not sending them in, and, and again, this this what's happening is not no that I know of. No one has said, "Hey, submit these sermons and then stop talking about gay rights, or stop talking about gay marriage, or stop talking about the bathroom bill." They said, "Give us your sermons." That's well, it sounds, like, it sounds like a pressure. Sure, yeah, I don't know what they were going to do with them next, but it sounded like a pressure t- tactic to me. Yeah, sure it does. Um, <laughs> look, I, I have no doubt. You know, this is again. I, I, we. You can see where we're going. Hey. This is we are going to a place to where, um, to where you are going to be told, "Don't say these things." You are going to be told, "Don't preach on this. Don't speak against this. It w- it will be hate speech, and you will be fined for it." I mean, it's happening to. Um, was uh, that uh, McConnell in Ireland? Yes, who spoke out against uh, James McSorley's pastor, who spoke out against um, the uh, Islamic Islamic ext- extremist over yes. there, and he's being investigated by the government, and he's being potentially going to be fined for what he said about those things. So, I, and that th- will have a chilling effect on free speech, uh, as such as it is in Ireland. And I do think, I do think we should push back against that. In the channels that we can, the legal ways that we can, I think we should push back on that um, with a reasonable voice and d- with you know respect. We push back on that to push that as uh, uh, down the road as far as we can because I think what ha- when that begins to happen, you will see pastors crumble under that pressure. You will see people who will from the pulpit begin to not have the courage to speak out. Because of what they're afraid they're going to lose, so I th- I think pushing that down the road is is probably a good thing. Um, uh, somebody may counter and say, "Well, you know, true people and and those true servants of Christ would stand up for the gospel at that point." But I, I just think we do push back as we can. Um, but I think it should be done in a reasonable way, in a respectable way, in a in a legal way. I mean, you know, if if but if, I think there's times too when the government demands tyranny, you refuse the government. Peter and John commanded not to preach anymore in the temple courts in the name of Jesus. Now they did not stay in the temple courts 100 percent of the time preaching in the name of Jesus. But when that order came, they did not stop preaching in the name of Jesus. That they didn't because. They had been told by Jesus to preach, and it would have been in disobedience to Jesus to have stopped preaching. But turning over your sermon, Jesus didn't give a command to not turn your sermon over. So what is the resistance? What is that resistance going to do, in other words? How is that going to? I think. I would rather see the pressure come from somewhere else. I mean, to me, again, hey, here's my sermon. Take it. But. The pressure needs to come from some other avenue other than just, no, you can't have my stuff. You can't have my sermon. 
Well, I, I think, and I respect your position. I, I would say, I think you, in this sense, I think you resist a government uh, giving an unconstitutional and immoral order. I'll give you one more quote. I know we have to move on. The city attorney, David Fellman, he said this, if someone is speaking from the pulpit and it's political speech, then it's not going to be protected. Now, there's, there's nothing in the law that, that indicates that, but that's the position of the city attorney in Houston. That's scary. I, I mean, I, I agree. Say it one more time. He says, if someone is speaking from the pulpit and it's political speech, then it's not going to be protected speech. In other words, it's not going to be covered by the First Amendment. Which is not not true. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, no, it's it's draconian. It, it's I don't wrong. know. Yeah, that's and and then you're going to get it. You're going to get into what. what but again, you, you said is the request is unconstitutional. What it, that's and that's my only question for you is why is it unconstitutional to subpoena? These documents. Well, I would say it's unconstitutional because it has a – as the court has uh, has talked about before, it has a chilling effect on free speech. That somehow it's going to cause people to think it they can't – It impedes free speech. It impedes it. But. And let me put it to you this way. If there's a, there's a homosexual church in, in Birmingham, Alabama, they teach uh, they teach that, that God of the Bible is totally fine with homosexuality, it, it, which is a position I, I disagree with. But if the government came in – uh, say a government leader like me that that had the same biblical uh, interpretation I do came in and they subpoenaed all of those sermons to try to get that shut down. I would say, you know what? Don't. That's not how you handle it. You don't do that. This is not simply because I agree with the five Houston pastors and I disagree with the mayor. This is to me a matter of free speech, and and I do believe that things like this can have a chilling effect. I believe it was designed by the city to intimidate these pastors on this issue. And that's where I think that that uh, uh, resistance is not futile. Well, I, you know, I I think I think it was. I I may be naive. It just feels to me like it would be the next step. Like again, it, to me, if someone came up to me and said, "Hey, we need all your sermons from last year on homosexuality," then I could say, "Well, they're on they're on our website now." If you if you want me to go type up the transcripts, you know, I. I that that would Who's bother got time me. For that? that would bother me because who has time for that? You know, uh, but you know it's uh, they're out there, and to me it, it's the next step. It's the okay now we you know we want you to chill down. We want you to don't, don't be speaking on these issues. See, that's that, that's the part that I start going. Ah, oh, that's, that's unconstitutional. But I mean, I get I I'm get with, I'm kind of, I do follow David on that. I, I get you know I I may be struggling with how the first step is is. Yeah. Uh, is the unconstitutional step, but I, again, I could be naive on it. I, I may be, I may be off. Uh, yeah, so. the, the whole subpoena chilling speech thing. I mean, good guys and bad guys use subpoenas to try to try to do that all the time. And if they weren't the only, if they were the only ones getting subpoenaed, I would be more up in arms. But if there's other people getting subpoenaed, it just doesn't uh, ring I, as grotesque to me. I've listened to Russell Moore. Um, I, I like him. I like he, he was. He's been on some podcasts that that I enjoy. I like him. I, I'll be the first to admit I swing the pendulum of steering away from politics. I probably swing that out, you know, to 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 the side that um, maybe I don't hit those things as head on as I should. But I, I just look. I, I've seen just so many churches, so many pastors that just tie the pulpit to. Again, their politics to being a conservative or a you know a you know Republican or liberal or Democrat or whatever that 
you know, again, I just think if you if you preach the gospel, it's just going to be inherent there what is good and right and true without you having to point people toward which candidate to vote for or which bill or amendment to vote on. I think you can just, you know, you could say, hey, I know this amendment's up for vote in our city next week, and there's been a lot of people who've asked me questions on how to vote. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. Here are the biblical principles behind the subject matter of that amendment. Now, now, look, maybe the mayor comes along at that point and says, well, that's political because you mentioned the vote. And then maybe I could see Russell Moore's point at, at, at that juncture. But. Well, let's let's hear from our listeners. Uh, I'll put out a tweet, and if you agree with David that all Christians should be rounded up and put in concentration camps, <laughs> oh then retweet. And if you agree with me that we should have religious liberties, then you can favorite that tweet, and then we'll see who wins at the end. Well, at least you're not um, trying to stack the – deck in your favor. No, no. I think that was very fair, what I said. Uh, Look, it's a... um, I think John Piper, by the way, did come out with a quote. I saw um, a tweet. He said, um, he said, Houston pastors invite um, the mayor to your church Sunday for... and preach a sermon on biblical sexuality. Nice. I like that. So, I guess he was more of a, you know, don't back down. And and that's kind of what I I guess what I'm getting at. You know, he's kind of a hey, don't back down. Just you know, preach what you're preaching. There you go. Um I I'd be curious how how political those those guys got in their messages, but I would be uh, interested as well. And and I went completely with you that uh you know, I the church is not the place for that kind of thing. Preach the word. Get in the word. Teach. Make disciples. Uh, you talk about politics outside the pulpit. There's a there's a holy, I think, duty on pastors and leaders uh, to be very careful about their, their opinions uh, on those sorts of things, especially from the pulpit. That said, I don't believe the government should uh, come um, mess around with it regardless. Uh, well, guys, that, that was a long segment. I think we had some very uh, – uh, good and lively debate, conversation. Um, that gets us, us to the lively. next one, which uh, I'm sure won't be controversial at all yet again. Now, after nearly 20 years as lead pastor of Seattle's Mars Hill Church, uh, the church that he started, Mark Driscoll has resigned. Driscoll, at the age of 44, had faced mounting criticism over church leadership and discipline within Mars Hill and how he wrote and promoted his popular books, just a couple of um, of those uh, controversial topics there. The decision came less than two months after Driscoll stepped down from leadership while the church investigated charges against him. Uh, earlier in August, he had been removed from the church planning network. He founded Acts 29. So we've covered this story um, a couple of times, I believe, uh, on the show. So we, we, we went back and, and covered the original I think when that when it started coming out, Acts twenty nine, removing them from the network, um, we covered the Driscoll controversy. Um, it's been interesting to me. Uh, we've had a lot of questions about it here, even in the Hall of Dogma Church. We were actually doing a study in the uh, small group I was leading um, at that time on through the Real Marriage book, which Driscoll and his wife wrote. And so we had a lot of people who were asking questions of us, of the you know Driscoll situation. Should we still be reading his material and those kinds of things? Um, I think we made clear on here that none of the charges against Driscoll had ever had anything to do with his teaching or with heresy. 
um, in his teaching. It was always about behind-the-scenes personality conflicts and his demeanor and his actions toward people, specifically those who were either opposing him or presenting an opposing viewpoint. Um, and then we, I think, did an update to this story when Driscoll stepped away from leadership while the charges were investigated, but he has now come back and um, he has stepped aside. So what are what are the initial thoughts that you guys have on uh, on uh, Driscoll's resignation? Um, I'm personally I'm a little bummed. Um, you know, I, it, being as far away from it. Um, was it Paul David Tripp that was was the guy that was an advisory board? Uh, that was him, wasn't it? He basically backed okay. away from the advisory board saying, you know, I am just too far away to, to function as what they want me to function as. Um, and so, you know, being kind of as far away from as we are, I, I was hoping for um, – larger larger is not the right word but but just more of a reconciliation um even if it was those six weeks um made it apparent that a longer period of reconciliation was needed things like that um but after having read followed what we did and then read his his statement um i guess there's no doubt in my mind of of why he did it and um i think it probably would have been ego that kept him kind of thing um, and so, hate that it ended that way, um, but kind of understand why it did. And That's a, it's an interesting take that maybe ego would have kept him there. I, I don't, uh, you know, Chase. I read his statement of uh, resignation, um, uh, Mark Driscoll's resignation letter. I, I do need to point out, I guess, in the statement from the church, um, they uh, they released some findings from their investigation. The very first finding was we concluded that Pastor Mark at times has been guilty of arrogance responding to conflict with a quick temper and harsh speech and leading the staff and elders in a domineering manner. Um, by the way, I think Driscoll again has confessed to that yes, uh, on, on numerous occasions. While we believe Mark needs to continue to address these areas in his life, we do not believe him to be disqualified from pastoral ministry. He has never been charged with any immorality, illegality, or heresy. Most of the charges involved attitudes and behaviors. Some of the accusations against him were found to be altogether unfair or untrue. And um, they never ask him to resign, supposedly. They actually said they were surprised by his resignation letter. Um, so I don't know what would have happened, uh, assuming that they're telling the truth on the service. I don't know what would happen if, if he had not resigned. It sounds like they were not preparing to fire him. Um, I read his resignation letter, and I'll be honest with you, it, to me, um, seemed to be a little... Like there was a little defiance coming from Driscoll as he as he resigned. That was my take on it. Uh, maybe not. Um, maybe how do you, not. How do you re- resign with defiance again? I'm out of here, you bunch of jerks. You guys <laughs> are so stupid. You couldn't okay. find your way out of a closet with a light on. That would be a good. That was, that was what Chase said as he left the podcast was it at last the, week. Uh, so. Cemetery or that is not true. Also not true. The um, uh, the picture for this week's um, broadcast. <laughs> It's going to be a bunch of tombstones, isn't it? Uh, that's nice. This is appropriate for uh, October. And the final show of the podcast. <laughs> Episode 21. All right, so you read yeah. the resignation from Driscoll. What was your yeah. take? You know what? Uh, I, I, I did pick up the same thing you did 
David, that it was a uh, it was a letter by Driscoll that was a little feisty. I don't know if I would say it was defiant. Uh, I didn't find anything in there that he was defying the elders on or whatever, but it, it definitely was feisty. Maybe def- defensive. Defensive. I, I think I would agree with that. It, I, it, the resignation to me, he. He and again, I go back to the original shows. I am a Driscoll fan. I, I you know, I maybe shouldn't use that word for mega pastors, but I've always liked Driscoll. His teaching overall has meant God has used that in my life yeah. uh, to too. a great degree. I still would read his books. I still have a couple of his books. I still have the uh, the theology book that he wrote. I can't think of the name of it right now. Doctrine. Uh, Doctrine. Okay. <laughs> Simple title. Um. And uh, there are sermon series that are posted that I have listened to, some that I have not that I would still go and listen to. So, And wherever he ends up, whatever he ends up doing, I would listen to his teaching without um, concern or hesitation. So I, um, I think that he needed to deal with things. I think if Mark Driscoll had been a pastor at a local church in – Peoria, Illinois, where no one was paying you know any attention to him from a national level, I think he could have weathered these storms, handled this in the way that he needed to, without having to resign. I think the and public probably eye, been a spokesperson for that uh, uh, cemetery there as well, and, and probably done a really good job with probably. it. Look, Driscoll was a young pastor who started a church in his home. He had a desire to start a church. He never imagined it was going to turn into what it turned into. Um, And he was a young pastor who made a lot of mistakes. The three of us around this table are young ministers, and we've made a lot of mistakes in ministry. Some of them probably came within the last hour of this podcast. And maybe, (laughs) probably, certainly. And, uh, And we have, for the most part, had an opportunity to kind of learn on the go about pastoring and how to handle mistakes and how to be humble and ask for people's forgiveness and those kinds of things. We've had a chance to learn those on the job without having to step down. Yeah. If if we had made some of the mistakes we if I had made some of the mistakes I've made pastoring and I had to do it under a national microscope, I probably would have had to step away as well. Now, somebody would say, hey, too much is given, much is required. Um, But I just think there was – I don't know if I would go as far as the general. Uh, The general says, hey, I think, you know, to some degree this seemed like a witch hunt. Um, I tend to go along that way. I I just feel like there was a set of people who who felt like, hey, the only only solution to this problem, the only solution to this situation that we're willing to accept is to him to resign. Yeah, yeah. Well, I look. I do not go to Mars Hill. I have never been to a Mars Hill church. I've never met Mark Driscoll. I've listened to hours of his teaching, read read his stuff. I don't know him. I don't know the people there. And, and, and so I, I say all that to say there is a very real sense where I cannot have a real definitive take on this situation because of that issue. But I will say some of the things surrounding this, I think it's fair to have a definitive take on. And I'm going to share a couple of things that I've seen in this whole situation that I found particularly egregious. One is that there have been people who have seemingly made it their mission to see Mark Driscoll defrocked and removed from pastoring Mars Hill. Um, 
that to me is is egregious, is dangerous. And if that's the focus of your life or even the focus of your last years of work, I would say to you, you need to reconsider that. I don't see that sort of calling in Scripture, the call of church critic. I don't see it. Um, I have seen people in Facebook groups that we're a part of, not so much the Hall of Dogma, but others uh, from other podcasts, which uh, I'm not going to name because I haven't seen the founders or the, the people on the podcast make these, these posts. But I have seen so many people who are in the same boat as we are removed from Mars Hill, not in the church, not going there, not knowing the elders, not knowing Pastor Mark, that have said with – Not on a, the same side of the country. Uh, yeah, that have same, said with 100 percent – definitiveness he should he is disqualified for ministry he is disqualified and and my question to those people is how the crap do you know that are you basing this on stuff you've read well i've read it we've read it how can you sitting a hundred a thousand miles away look at that situation and say the elders of mars hill church are wrong when they say he's just not disqualified and you to say he is disqualified. There is a time, you know, the, the, the Bible says that there's a time for us to judge those in the church. Uh, and, and there's a, this dire warning from Jesus about judging. And I think that that sort of commentary falls into a dangerous sort of unbiblical judgment. We can't make that call. Now, all that said, um, this issue of arrogance and uh, having uh, responding to conflict with a quick temper, that sort of thing. Well, the you know the First Timothy and, and Titus both say an elder cannot have a quick temper. He cannot quarrel. He cannot be a man of quarreling. So, on the whole, my soliloquy ends with this statement. I think probably it's a good thing that Mark. Driscoll has stepped down. I do not believe that I've seen any evidence that he's disqualified from from ministry. And I think a, a lot of the people out there criticizing him uh, not being involved in the situation, there's a level of danger to that that uh, we've got to be careful about. There's always been seemed to be more, I don't like his personality, than he's disqualified from the people that I've always talked to. It's like, well, I just don't like him. No, and I, I well, what do you not like about him? He's just, he's a mule. Yeah, sure is. Okay. Why is he disqualified? <laughs> so, but y'all said his resignation letter sounded feisty. And I went, Oh, so it's a Driscoll sermon. Like, well, you know, look to me, <laughs> unsurprising, he, right? Uh, let, yeah, me, let me, like, let me read you one. You described him perfectly. Let me read you one paragraph here. He said, this is in his letter. You have shared with us that the committee spent more than a thousand hours reviewing documents and interviewing some of those who had presented charges against me. You have also shared with me that many of those making charges against me declined to meet with you or participate in the review process at all. Consequently, those conducting the review of charges against me began to interview people who had not even been a party to the charges. I just read that and thought, ah, you're just like it's commentary that you're you're writing for other people. The committee knows that. Yeah. You know that. You're writing this for the audience who's going to read this letter later. And and, and it seemed maybe a bit of face saving. So but, 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 but you I'll I will I'll def, I'll defend him there cuz you knew it was going to get posted. You knew it was going to get published. Yeah, he knew. And and so he immediately follows it up by saying, I readily acknowledge I am an imperfect messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are many things I have confessed and repented of. So so in that defensiveness, he goes, you guys sorted this out. In, in a little bit, I think he's almost 
to me, I read it as he was a little bit taking the burden off them. You guys have done your due diligence to see if I should be fired or not. I'm taking this bullet. Is that yeah. some of it? To me, and I, you know, look, I, I could be completely wrong, but again. This is coming from the guy that I didn't want him to leave, and so look, I, it, it just and again, I may be wrong. I, it just, but it, it, it read to me like a sense of um, look. I, I I just want to make sure everybody knows one more time. You know, I'm I'm really not guilty of all the things that everyone said I uh, that I am. But I'm for the health of my family. I'm going to go ahead and resign. It just it had a little bit of a tinge of. I, I'm not crazy about the letter either. I'm like I, I would have written a different letter. That's all I'm saying is is the letter came across bad to yeah. me, and I'm a Driscoll. I tend toward yeah supporting yeah. him. Now I will say back to what you were talking about, Chase. I did mention that he also said it would be best for Mars Hill. He did say that. He, he did it say was it would the health be, of our he family, did, comma, and for the Mars Hill He family. did say it would be best for the Mars Hill family. So um, I have said that of all the people that have made comments, that group, that last group of elders that resigned um, were the ones that, that carried the most weight with me because um, – They were close to the situation. They were close to the situation, yeah. and I had grown to respect a couple of those guys from a distance. Yeah. And so it kind of made me raise my eye, my eyes, my eyebrows a little bit at what was going on. Real quick, well, is how they did it too. Uh, what do you mean? They're, they seemed the most Christ-like and biblical. Yes, in yes their absolutely, and absolutely, not, not absolutely. Exactly. And they were not attacking. Exactly. So, uh, look, there were issues there. Sure, there were behind-the-scenes problems, and maybe at the end of the day, it was best for him to step aside for the church and for him to both be able to have a fresh start. Um, there, there, We had some good comments out on the um, Hall of Dogma about this. Um, Dan Richardson pointed out, please pray for the people of Mars Hill. As one of my friends who happens to be one of their campus pastors said, when a pastor leaves, it's like a dad is walking out on his family. Pray for them that they might hold on to Christ throughout this transition period. Um, Kristen Brown said, no matter what may have happened there, it's terrible that so much humanity stood in the way of such a great ministry opportunity. Um, and, and a couple other just good comments out there you could read on the Hall of Dogma. Here, here's my – let's – we'll wrap it up this way. Um, I think it's interesting that to me Driscoll in the last year to two years has said he felt like God was pointing him in the last seasons – well, in the next seasons of ministry. But I think he said in the last seasons of ministry that he has to become more of a father, pastoral father figure and really pastor a church. That if he had to choose between um, be, you know, cross-country speaking and becoming a big – um, authoritative spokesperson in the kingdom or pastor in church. He wanted to pastor a church. That's what he wanted to do, and that's what he felt called to do. Um, he, he said that several times. Where do you guys see that Driscoll could go from here? Do you think he could just go pastor another church? Do you think he would have to take some time off? What what road, apart from obviously you know, he's going to follow God's call here and God will open doors as he sees fit, but what, what could you see Driscoll doing at this point? Well, that's a great question. I, I see in Driscoll more of a um, a leader, a visionary, a church planter, and a a teacher than than say the the gift of shepherding. But again, I haven't been there. I don't know how he shepherds. I think he's a uniquely gifted communicator. I mean, it, it, that that is almost um, 
a prodigy in some ways. I mean, his ability to communicate and memorize what he's saying and that sort of thing and recall facts. He is a high-level preacher. Agree with him or not, he is a high-level communicator. Mm-hmm. And so, but but at the same time, sometimes uh, the things you're you're incredibly talented at can become stumbling blocks to really walking in the power of God. Some of the best preachers have not been men of great elocution, but have been men of great prayer and anointing. Should have um, said that with a mouthful of cereal. <laughs> yeah, that just Paul. to remind people of your uh, your superpowers. And maybe Jeepers. this is an opportunity for Mark to become a man of great humility, prayer, and anointing to go along with that incredible communicative gift. Uh, That's what I want to see. I want to see Driscoll come out of this uh, uh, more fruitful than he has been in the past, in the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit as well. What I'm scared to death of is is in a year we see coming soon from Mark Driscoll, My Life After Mars Hill or something. And it's mm-hmm. a book it's, or a reality well, show? Well, not a book, but a, a specific kind of my biography the last year or a biography about Mars Hill. What I, kind of along the lines of Chase, what I would love to see is uh, very similar to, and, and I know we haven't really talked about it on here yet. I'm sure some of the people – um, have um, some of the, the audience have have seen it, but Piper's look at the book, yeah. Thing, I would love to see Driscoll do some of those with him, or do you know? I know Piper's is this is how I study. I would love for Driscoll to do this. This uh, this is how I study, and, and and be and again take some of what you're talking about that you and part of it's gifting. You can't teach gifting, um, but. But do that well, you know, and it, it's uh, Chase. I'll let you have the closing statement here, but it's um, it's you know, part of me wonders if his desire to spend the last seasons of ministry as a pastor, good shepherd, comes from understanding his failures in that area earlier on in his life. So, because so sometimes when you realize, man, I've really failed here, it gives you that drive to, oh, I want to do better. I want to yeah. do better. Chris Stadad from um, look, it's what. Chris S. There you go. All right, Chris from uh, our friend overseas Very said, "Yeah, he said uh, I'd love to see a true repentance and a return over time for Driscoll. I'm not saying it, Mars Hill. Mark is a gifted speaker and leader, yet he didn't build a right accountability structure around him. He still has gifts and a potential to bring. Uh, he still has gifts and potential to bring to the world. God knew this would happen and needed to happen. Let's not write Driscoll off. God still has work for him to do if he learns from this and makes the changes needed." That's good stuff. And right. I would have said that about the people who uh, got hurt along the way at Mars Hill as well. Um, they, too, have potential and gifts to use, and, and God can overcome what happened to them at Mars Hill and work through that and bring unity and um, and, and those biblical concepts. So. Amen. I, I, I will say this. We've got a lot of pastors that, that listen to this show in, in God's grace. I've known a lot of pastors the last 20 years. This shows us, this is a warning to us men who are in ministry, pastors, deacons, leaders, whatever, even Bible teachers. We can, brothers, become arrogant. 
And, and you see that a lot in pastors. They don't surround themselves with right accountability uh, or people who can get in their face and and, 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 and such. We can become arrogant. And, and there are more – you don't – I mean, so we're used to pastors losing their position because of affairs, uh, because of financial scandals or, or whatever like that. You can apparently lose your ministry position because of arrogance too. So the word, uh, Titus 1-7, the word of God says, an overseer, a, a pastor, I believe that that word there is uh, episkopos, but we, we translate it elder, pastor as well. An overseer, um, oh my goodness, I, I lost it. Sorry, my, my computer's going crazy here. Titus 1-7, um, an overseer. It's because it's not an apple. Thank you. Must be blameless as God's steward, not self-will, not soon angry. Um, that's the American. That's the uh, American Standard Version. I'm going to give you the ESV. An overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Arrogance can be something that can cause us to fall. Uh, it can be disqualifying if it, if it if it's something that eats up. So. This is – I take this for us guys and the people that listen to this show. Uh, we're not important like, like Driscoll or, or well-known, but this is a call to us to walk in Christ-like humility Amen and a warning that. to that. Amen to that. All right, guys. brings us to our listener feedback section. I think this is an appropriate time for me to apologize to Robert Johnson for what um, I'm doing to him right now in the uh, – Gospel Friends Fantasy Football League. You tearing him up? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Rob's a good guy. Rob is a good guy um, and defends the faith. He just couldn't defend himself against the uh, maniac onslaught today that's awesome. in the uh, in the Hall of Dogma League. That is awesome. I, I'm having a good day myself against the, uh, the mighty men of valor. Uh, that would be the brother of Jeremiah. You're winning by nine points. Uh, but I'm projected to win by a lot more than that. Oh, okay. I'm winning by... Like 50, so that's why I meant it was a good day. What place are you in the league, Dave? Um, oh, fifth. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I shouldn't have even asked that. Nick's first, didn't he? Wasn't yeah, Nick first? Right Who's now. second? Let me see if I can pull those results up. Oh, the Thundering Pauls. Hmm. Sounds Guys, like a good team, uh, as a man who has uh, been the last two years to the uh, championship game of a fantasy football league, it matters only what happens at the end. So. We had some great feedback. I'd love from to see your trophies next week. You, our audience, this week. Uh, wow, some some great geez. stuff on the, some great stuff on the Twitter. John Lorbacher uh, said uh, chimed in uh, on uh, the topic we had about uh, homelessness um, and uh, cities trying to pass uh, laws that seem to be trying to outlaw that or make it uh, very hard for homeless people to survive in the city. John said outlawing homelessness is about as useful as outlawing crime. It doesn't take care of the problem. I think that the church does need to be taking care of homeless regardless of what the government cares to do. Amen, John. uh, And then John Lorbacher and John Duncan got into a a good back and forth on the uh, uh, alcohol, um, whether or not Christians should drink. Uh, And uh, and so uh, John L., 
uh, talked about how <laughs> he says in response to Christians drinking, I think the Bible says not only is drinking okay, but one can even enjoy the effects thereof. I think the psalmist makes that clear in saying wine, which gladdens the heart. Drunkenness is a sin and discernment is incredibly important, but the gladdening of the heart and relaxation certainly doesn't appear sinful, although I may be wrong. Well, I, and actually, I, I like the conclusion those two guys came to. Uh, obviously, the Bible does not forbid drinking. It forbids drunkenness. And both those guys came to the conclusion that you need to kind of, in absence of uh, the Bible forbidding it, you need to be under the, the essentially the polity of your uh, local church fellowship, and, in which case one of those guys, their polity forbid it. The other guy, it was okay in moderation. Well, that's... Yeah, John Duncan said, I agree I don't disagree that, with that drinking itself is not a sin. My objection to drinking is no one knows if they have an addictive body chemistry until it's too late. Um, I judge drinking on professed doctrine. I'm a Baptist, so I don't drink. If a Methodist, it's okay in moderation. I will say there, I don't, I don't necessarily think just because you're a Baptist, you don't, you know, you shouldn't drink. I, like, I don't think the Baptist church takes that stand, do they? I do the, the Baptist denomination, denomination does. does? I know that I, – I, maybe they do. I guess maybe they do because I think the uh, North American Mission Board will disqualify you from being a missionary if you drink. Or at least I have had some friends who tried to be missionaries with the North American Mission Board pre-David Platt and had questions about when the last time they had a drink was – and um, they never got a call back, and they felt like it may have had to do with those answers. Yes, and, and that is that is true uh, on a lot of those sorts of things. But I can tell you that, the, uh, to my knowledge, the uh, 2000 Baptist Faith and Message uh, does not address the issue of alcohol. Okay. Well, I'll tell knowledge. you this. If the Baptist um, uh, people are listening, um, the Hall of Dogma Church uh, is going to have problems. It's going to have <laughs> It's going to be in trouble. So, well, only if Chase goes on vacation. So, Chase, you asked on the uh, Twitter last week: Has anyone seen the new Left Behind movie? Was it good? Funny? Unintentionally funny? Got some feedback there. Thomas Horrocks said, "Awful, but fun if you go with someone who will mock it with you." That sounds fun. Have you all seen it? I have not seen it. No, you, I don't plan on seeing it. William Weaver said, "Not as painful as some of those old Left Behind videos." Which I did see some, by the way. I did, too. And they were pretty bad. Two predictable plot centers on an airplane. No surprise there. Um. (laughs) It's got a very low rating on IMDb. I go back to what I said before. So is this one I would be okay to steal because it's so bad? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think. Oh it, wait. So if the movie is really, really bad, you can just steal it. It has to be below a two on IMDb okay. before it's okay to pirate the movie. Right. If you had went That's to see bad. this, but you would you would not see, or, or um, yeah, you would not see God's Not Dead. That that would that would have irked. I me. saw God's Not Dead. It was, oh, you just it was hated good. It. I did not hate it. Uh, you didn't like it. It was. You were very critical. <laughs> It it portrayed yes because lost it was a bad people, movie which it was trying to reach as utter buffoons which I think is counterproductive. How did it? How did it, how did it oh. make lost people look like buffoons? Well, his girlfriend for one. Now I just made blondes look like. Buffoons. Well, in the theology professor himself, I mean, he look. Came they're not. I'm just saying that's what it made it look like. Hey, Hercules was. Well, no, never mind. I can't even try to defend him. Oh, I used to enjoy that show, though. Chase, speaking of us being offensive, <laughs> which, not that we have tonight, but um, you sent out a tweet, make sure that I clarify it was you. It was me. That um, said, this might be a spot offensive, but we mean it in good fun. It was a picture of Batman slapping Robin. <laughs> Robin oh, was dear. quoting Joel Osteen. 
<laughs> and Batman oh. slaps him and yells Spurgeon. Yes. So we got quite, some quite a lot of feedback. We got on some that feedback. Tweet Jenny, for whatever reason, Jenny Mac Chase. Rogers at Jenny Mac twelve oh seven said new favorite Twitter account to follow at my gospel friends because of this. More power to you, Jenny Mac. But Drew Marshall said at We Are Youth Culture, a Christian podcast dedicated to having an unchristlike attitude toward Joel Osteen. Lame. Well, technically, the unchristlike attitude is actually directed towards Robin, not towards Joel Osteen, because Robin is the one that gets slapped. But he was quoting Joel Osteen, which is why he got slapped. But still, Joel Osteen did not suffer in the making of this picture. Only Robin. Josh Laney at Eternal Soul X says, LOL, I feel like you guys worry about offending people too much. <laughs> well, that's because Only you've one not, or two of us That's do. because you've not listened to episode 21. <laughs> But I we respect your sensitivity. stopped worrying this afternoon. <laughs> All right, let, let me just say this. If the three of us stopped worrying about offending people, this oh, show would go my. bad quick. Yeah, the government would swoop in and arrest us, and probably deservedly so, despite my stance on free speech. At Mo, at Mo MJB1 says, so judgmental. That's God's job, but I guess you all feel he died and made you gods. You know what? That's a fairly judgmental statement right there. We do not feel we like are not God Jehovah's died Witnesses. And made we don't us think gods. we become gods. That right. is bad theology. I'm not going to say anything about the picture because um, in an old podcast we did back in the day called Faith Today, I I made the mistake one time of trying to stand up for Joel Osteen against what I felt like was an an a vicious attack by you guys. Oh, and I that became, was so much fun. And I became um, mocked and. And stamped from that day on as Joel Osteen's number one fan. So I, I'm not going to say a word about what I think of this picture or what I think of this tweet. I just want to make sure it's known that uh, I was not operating the account that day when it went out. All right. I, I did feel I, I almost deleted the tweet because not that I don't mind being controversial, but I do believe we should not be critical. That there's, you know, we were talking earlier about criticizing Mark Driscoll from a distance. It's easy to criticize. It really is. And sometimes I think we need to hold people accountable, but there's a fine line there. And we probably cross it, and I probably cross it. And I'm, I'm feeling chastened for that right now. My, my whole situation falls back on does Joel, you know, is he a brother in Christ? If he is a brother in Christ, then... I, I just think the approach to him is – I don't think that means you don't call him out well, on things that he says. Well, it's look, not if, wrong. if, if Osteen's a brother in Christ, he's treating, he, getting treated like we treat each other. So, I mean, I don't know what the that's true. problem is. Can yeah. you be saved and be a false teacher or a heretic? I'd say, mm. I would say yes, that you could be – the Bible tells well, us to weigh – Well, you've proved yourself to the be The Bible tells us to weigh true. prophecies given among us. I agree. Which would tell us that some of us could have, um, you know – we could give false prophecies or, you know, incorrect prophecies. So true. Uh, Brad Milton tweets us and says, "Hey guys, don't understand why you won't fave my beat Bama tweet." Well, roll tide. Does that help, Brad? <laughs> so help you understand? Brad uh, tweeted me. I said, said that with a wink. I like Brad. At J- David McConnell, can I get a witness? Go Hogs! Um, and so, uh, as as uh, it was almost a good day for the Hogs against Bama. Almost, almost. Uh, but they came up a little short, and then Bama apparently decided to turn into the Incredible Hulk and take it out on Texas A&M. So, but um, anyway, Iron Bowl's coming. Phil Benson at JAU Court said, So I've been mixing up the Gospel Friends and the Reform Podcast. 
podcast. Explain this will explain for Reform Podcast why I've spent sent some odd tweets. So I tried uh, to figure that one out. I never could. Uh, well, apparently, because the Reformed Podcast is a parody of the Reformed Pubcast. Oh, yeah. It, you know oh, what? Boy. I bet he just. I bet he just tweeted the wrong. I bet he meant Reformed Pubcast, but I don't know. Who knows? Uh, Josh Laney asked, did Captain get raptured toward the end of episode <laughs> of 20, or did he hit the mute button? And uh, Super Dad said he uh, said Captain couldn't finish the show due to being so distraught about his beard hairs getting ripped out by the iPhone 6, which he didn't have yet. So, By the way, I ran the iPhone 6 across my face, and uh, it does indeed pull your beard hairs out. Does it? Oh, it really does. Try it. And it hurts. It does not feel good. Try it. You got yours right there. Run it across your face. Dude, it's like it's uh, – Are you chicken? I'll try bark, it later. Bark, bark. Caretaker man wow. said uh, – I wasn't he, here, by the way. He wasn't going to get the new iPhone because his glorious beard was greater than hipster technology. Well, you've got to protect the beard, Brother Dan. I mean, caretaker wow. man. Uh, and he also told us that the uh, Pizza Hut promo was guinea pigs being given out as a garnish. That's how we do dinner here. So. <laughs> I've heard from Peruvians that guinea pigs oh, are tasty. Never tried one, though. That would make my daughter very sad from the place we were today. At Tim Pool, uh, T Pool 33 says, as long as there's strength in this body, you won't hug me like a Japanese chair. It's just not going to happen. Well spoken, Tim. I agree with that sentiment. I wonder if Tim would like a um, Facebook jacket. I don't know. We could ask him. They would squeeze him when he gets locked. Not if he's friends with you on Facebook. Uh, from the Hall of Dogma this week, uh, Jeremiah Martin said, On one hand, I'm pumped that I was mentioned a half a dozen times on the podcast. On the other hand, I feel like I wasted my first call with a terrible story. <laughs> so uh, That now, was some story. That was some Jeremiah. story. Jeremiah, uh, by the way, said that um, – now, he didn't say he was miffed, but, but it seemed like maybe we'd hurt his feelings a little bit because um, we, we you know mentioned guys on the podcast like Emmanuel and – Dan, Dan and we just we just call them by their first name, yep. but he's always Jeremiah Martin. I don't really have an answer for why well, we did that. There's like forty three Jeremiahs that are in the Hall of Dogma, right? Well, uh, sure, <laughs> but he said he was looking forward to Slight a exaggeration, a nickname, um, and uh, and he suggested um, maybe he could have the name Captain Cadaver, which uh, I said immediately is yes. done. That's awesome. Done. So from now on, Jeremiah is Captain Cadaver. I agree with that. In the uh, Hall of Dogma. <laughs> What's his power? How about he says Abracadaver <laughs> and makes dead bodies fall out of the sky? <laughs> Dude, what if Rev Verbage and Captain Cadaver teamed up? I don't, well, I don't know. What would... Well, because I, I talk people to death already, and so... That's something we must prevent from happening. Yeah. But as you've pointed out, David, your last few sermons have all been under 50 minutes. But hey, no one notices. Oh, I noticed. Yeah. I think mine today went over oh, 50 look, minutes. My button notices. It's Emmanuel Marsh, the general. <laughs> wow. The general said, funny. here's what I learned from Wait, episode. I'm sorry, I don't get to sit through a David sermon anyway. I always go after Washington. One of the things that, um, one of the things that, uh, Emmanuel learned from episode 20 was uh, apparently not having an affair is not high on the list of how to affair-proof your marriage. If only they had thought of that one. <laughs> By the way, this is one of the posts I look forward to most this week. What I, uh, Emmanuel's uh, – Emmanuel Marsh's what I learned from He can from limit it to three. <laughs> 
Nice. Yeah, it's always, and that is reason enough to join the Hall of Dogma is to find out what Emmanuel learned from each of our episodes. Absolutely. What the general learned. Uh, Jacob Hatcher um, gave a shout out, said uh, he appreciated the prayers for his little boy, who I understand is doing much better. Praise God, Jacob. Uh, he's apparently an Alabama fan there. Roll tide, Jacob. He said, uh, a world in which Kentucky is making a run for the East and Ole Miss and Mississippi State are vying for number one would lead me to believe in the pro post-trib rapture because the beast surely walks among us. <laughs> Look, you guys talk about American football too much. We need to talk about oh. – we have international listeners like Chris Studdard who says um, shout out to Wales at their good run in the Euro qualifiers as we have never, ever qualified. Way to go, Wales. Good job, guys. It was good. Wales. Wales. Or uh, – Are they the – whale? what's their mascot? I don't know, but their team name is Wales because I asked. Tony Vance told us that we'd offended the funeral director part of the audience. Um, I'm not really sure what we did after tonight and the – we offended the everybody part of the audience, uh, including our wives and most especially your wife, David. Who is not a Channing Tatum fan. Uh, Did you text her and ask? No, but I'm just saying she's not. All right, Brad Melton had a serious uh, topic for us, guys, which um, dealt with – when it comes to mission support, um, should uh, should we be looking at a, a someone who's going on a mission uh, being a tent maker or looking mm. for uh, full-time support raising the money for that? So we're going to talk about that, um, Lord willing, on the next show and, mm. and discuss a little bit about um, what is the correct biblical approach uh, to raising uh, funds or making funds for missions. Work. Somebody had a good question about hell, too. Um, uh, Brent. So, Brent, we're going to try to talk about your question at some point soon as well. Well, guys, I think I'm going to have to kick uh, this story I was going to give the top ten richest pastors in the world to the next show uh, because I I know, David, you have to jet. Um, Are you going to give your confession now or are you going to tease it for next week? No, I'm going to give a confession. I just want to go ahead and get this out, out there. Uh, we went so we went camping this past week, um, and uh, to a lake uh, about an hour north of here. And my children, I'm very nervous right now. My children um, brought back to the campsite one night a stray animal, and they proceeded to feed the animal and spend four days begging me if it could be their pet. And I am a um, sucker for my kids. And so um, after two or three days of holding them off and telling them no, um, I finally caved at the end, and I am now a proud cat owner. Cat. Oh, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and and since I have publicly... <laughs> You're a cat lady. Yeah. Does no. your cat know <laughs> your not. strong anti-cat position? <laughs> Look, I don't know. If it pees on my couch one more time, it's going to know it. <laughs> Your cat pees on your couch? Well, That's one of the advantages of cats. They don't do stuff like that. Here's the thing. We've been told two or three times that cats are instinctive to the litter box. And so the way that you get them to go to the litter box is the first time they poop somewhere they shouldn't, you go put it in the litter box and they'll get it from, from then on. And you know what? It worked. It worked. We did that. She went in the wrong place, put it in the litter box. From now on, she has been in a litter box. But she still pees somewhere else, and we don't know how to get the pee to the litter box to help point her in the right direction. Well, that's well, a great napkin, question. a towel. I don't I, look. I don't know who wants to squeeze 
pee out of a towel well, into a litter box. Who wants to pick up poop and carry it over to the litter box? Well, you want to do that or, or pick it up out of your David, house from now on? Take, that's a I good mean, point. You, Wait a minute, you have napkin. a cat that lives inside? Yeah, she's in the oh, den. Take the Where do you think she's going to live? Wipe outside. The all the stray dogs. Take would. it to the litter box and leave it in the litter box. Well, I guess that could work. All right, we'll try it, and I'll report back next week. All right. I don't know how we got off on this, but oh yeah, I did it. Uh, well, I just want to because I I have one of you guys. Did, one of you guys would have been invited over to my house in the next couple of years, and, and when you when you needed help moving, like <laughs> exactly. And y'all would have seen I had a cat, and y'all would have called me out on the show, and so I just wanted to go ahead and put it out. No, what there. would have happened is your daughter was soon to post pictures and email them to our two daughters, and. You would have gotten lambasted. That would have probably happened before I invited y'all to my house. Yes, no doubt about that. All of our daughters that. are tight. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm done. That was my confession. Okay. Well, you're going to have to wait till next week for my confession, which is much worse than that one. Chase just sent me an IM, said, um, meet me at the cemetery. So, hope, uh, hope you can make it tonight, David. This is going to be a good one. See you there, Chase. Take care. No. Something was-